You know that movie Chicken Little? I freaking hate it. Get this. As we just saw, the movie starts with this tiny chicken witnessing something crazy, the sky falling, and no one believes him. And then they make fun of him, and they mock him, and he's got a speech impediment, and that just makes everything ten times worse. And basically, it sucks, and watching that movie makes me sad. So anyway, I'm Amanda, um, and I'm really excited that we're back at BASIC tonight. Woohoo! Cool. Uh, did you guys have a good break? Cool, or at least like a mediocre one. Good, good, that's great. Um, so tonight, we're kicking off our new series called Praise While We Wait. Now you might be asking yourself, what does that mean? Because this, if this is gonna be a whole series about singing songs in some like cheesy, cliche, Christian fashion, then I'm out. Don't worry, I would be too. Um, that's not what we're going to do here. Actually, praise means a whole lot more than just singing. Praise, um, in Hebrew, there are about 10 different definitions for that word, and only a few of them actually have anything to do with music. The definition of praise that we're going to use tonight and throughout this series is that praise is the act of bringing your whole self to Jesus. Bringing our pain, bringing our joy, bringing all of our emotions and feelings and states of being to Jesus, no matter what we're waiting for. Maybe tonight you're waiting for your living situation to change, or you're waiting for the end of the semester, or you're waiting for some news about a family member, or maybe you're waiting for chicken nuggets at McDonald's and they're taking 40 years. Whatever kind of waiting you're in, you can praise in the middle of it. So first we're going to talk about David, a person from the Old Testament who literally lived out this definition of praise time and time again in the midst of his own waiting. And sometimes I think there are so many stories of David in the Bible that I have a hard time keeping them all straight. So I'm going to give you a little timeline um, of David's life, all of which we can find in First and Second Samuel. So Israel, at the time, was in a bit of turmoil, and the current king, Saul, had defied God, so God rejected Saul. Uh, this sounds a little bit harsh, but basically it just meant that God decided that Saul's general, generational line wouldn't continue to be king. So when David was around 15 or so, he was anointed, or chosen, as the next king of Israel. That's a lot of pressure for a teenage boy, I'm sure, uh, but God was only just getting started with him. Uh, given the turmoil that Saul was in, they asked David to come play the harp for him as a way to calm Saul down. Awkward, am I right? David's like, let me come play the harp for you to help you with your torment that you have because you aren't meant to be king anymore, and it's actually going to be, be me, and I'm going to take your job. Then there's a story that we might all know, David and Goliath, where David... David stumbles upon a horde of Saul's army who've been too afraid to engage with Goliath, this big giant. Um, and David's like, no worries, guys, I got this. And then he gets him. Saul, uh, threatened by David in his favor with the Lord, tries to kill David several times. And in spite of all this trouble, David does become king, where you guessed it, a series of difficult and tumultuous 
events take place. David sleeps with a woman named Bathsheba, which results in a pregnancy that was less than opportune. Um, so David arranges to have Bathsheba's husband sent out to war so that he would be killed. Good choices. Um, that child ends up dying, and then he has another son, and one of his other sons dies, and it's a whole thing, and that's just like the abbreviated version of events of David's life. Basically, it's like Game of Thrones. So David's life wasn't easy. He had more hardship and pressure put on him in the first 20 or so years of his life than most of us have in a whole lifetime. But what did he do in the midst of it? He praised. He brought his whole self to Jesus. David wrote 73 of the Psalms in the Bible. And what are the Psalms? They are songs of praise. So open up your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. Um, open it up to Psalm 30. I'll give you a quick second to get there. Um, and as we read, we're going to read through it together. And as we do, I actually want you to like take notes. It's also on the one side of the handout that you should have gotten when you walked in. Um, and I want you to take notes, circle, underline, highlight, whatever you got to do. Um, of all the places in this chapter where there was hardship and how David chose to respond. It says this, I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. Oh, Lord, my God, I cried for your help, and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, oh, Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. When I was prosperous, I said, nothing can stop me now. Your favor, O oh Lord, made me as secure as a mountain. Then you turned away from me, and I was shattered. I cried out to you, O oh Lord. I begged the Lord for mercy, saying, what will you gain if I die, if I sink into the grave? Can my dust praise you? Can it tell of your faithfulness? Hear me, Lord, and have mercy on me. Help me, O oh Lord. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy, that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. So David wrote the songs of praise in the middle of his waiting, in the middle of his uncertainty, and in the middle of his joys. And this psalm is literally a, a psalm of celebration. If you go uh, sometimes in like a study Bible, you'll see like what the psalm was written for. And this was literally written as a psalm of celebration. He didn't wait until the grief had passed to praise the Lord. He did it in the midst of it. He brought his whole self to the Lord in the good and the bad, and he gave it. He lived in the middle of his waiting. He didn't stop. 
Waiting didn't pause his life. He kept living. When David and Bathsheba's first son was sick and dying, David grieved. He grieved hard. He pleaded with God to save his son. He took everything that he had in that moment and he gave it to the Lord. And then when his son did die, he got up and he went to the temple and he praised God. Praise looked like David pleading with the Lord in the middle of his grief. And praise looked like him responding with worship when his son did die, even though he was devastated. He didn't wait until he had some neat and tidy collection of feelings and thoughts to present to the Lord. No. He made the choice to bring what he had, when he had it, to the Lord. Because the Lord is kind and good and faithful and consistent. God is with us while we wait. And in our waiting, we are growing. Our waiting isn't wasted. Praise looked like David knowing his waiting wasn't being wasted. David waited years and years to become king. And what he learned while he was waiting was what made him able to rely on the Lord and made him the kind of king that he was. He made the choice to get out into his waiting, to live life in the midst of the waiting. He didn't stop everything and let the days pass until it was finally time for him to become king. So what does it look like for us to get out into our waiting? What does it look like for you to praise in the middle of your waiting? Whether it feels super heavy and painful or whether it just feels like another day. What does it look like for you to praise in the middle of it? So we're going to look at a case study. Chicken Little. Yeah, I know, you thought I wasn't going to bring it back to Chicken Little. But believe you me, that was an opportunity that was too good to pass up. After the initial, the sky is falling incident, Chicken Little is ridiculed. They call him a liar. They make fun of him. Heck, they even make a movie in a movie about him and how ridiculous his claims of the sky falling are. And he's waiting. He's waiting for people to forget about his big mistake. He's waiting for people to stop being so disappointed in him. Mostly his dad. And he's waiting to finally be good at something. But does Chicken Little spend his time locked away in his room? not interacting with the world, not living his life, not continuing to be his whole self? Absolutely not. He continues to show up and bring what he has. He makes makeshift pants out of his math homework when he loses them on his way to school. He plays dodgeball and then subsequently sets off the fire alarm sprinkler system thing in his uh, school gymnasium. He talks to his friends about his issues. He sits in his sadness. He plays baseball and wins. And he dances with a big old silly pig. Here's the thing. If I'm honest, I don't actually hate Chicken Little. If I'm honest, I hate the process. I hate waiting. 
I'm uncomfortable with the feelings that I have to feel while I wait. I don't want Chicken Little to be sad. I don't want him to be confused or to feel like people are disappointed in him. I don't want him to feel like he's on the outside of everything. And I don't want him to feel like nothing he does is good enough. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to be confused. I don't want to worry about if the next thing I'm going to do is the right thing and if it's going to disappoint people. I don't want to feel those things, so I fast forward. I check out. It's easier for me to just stop watching the movie and say I hate it than to pay attention and learn from what happens in the waiting. So the other day, when my friend Hope turned on Chicken Little, that all-too-familiar urge to check out kicked in. But instead of fast-forwarding through it or asking her to turn it off because I don't actually like that movie, Hope, I sat there and I paid attention. I acknowledged the parts that made me uncomfortable, and then I sat through the whole movie and felt the uncomfortable feelings and laughed at the funny moments, and I empathized with Chicken Little and Ugly Duckling and Fish Out of Water and Runt. What a crew, right? I didn't run away from the feelings. I didn't let the uncomfortable feelings stop me from experiencing it. For a really long time in my life, I let uncomfortable feelings stop me from living in the midst of waiting for a resolution. I have a vivid memory of being out with my friends, having a great time, and I literally pulled myself out of the fun that I was having because having fun felt wrong in the midst of my own season of waiting. I thought that because my life felt like it was in a state of uncertainty, I couldn't keep living. I couldn't have fun with my friends or live in the present moment. And for a while, it actually felt easier that way. Until I learned that continuing to live in the middle of waiting is actually so worth it. And it doesn't mean that my hard feelings matter less. It just means that I'm being a holistic human being in the middle of having hard feelings. I'm not fragmenting myself into negative feelings or positive feelings, but I'm showing up with all of them and letting them all happen. Because here's the thing, God already knows what we're going through. Whether we choose to bring it all to him or not, he already knows. So when we choose to bring it all, when we make the choice to show up with our whole selves because God is good and kind and constant, and we learn that that's actually okay, it changes our whole perspective and our whole outlook. In the middle of David's waiting, he brought his joy and his sorrow to the Lord. He brought his apathy and his celebration. Psalm 30 says, can my dust praise you? Can it tell of your faithfulness? You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks forever. 
David was saying that at rock, he was saying that at rock bottom and when celebration comes, even then he would praise the Lord. So how do we do it? How do we praise the Lord like David? How do we bring our whole selves to the Lord and get out into our waiting like Chicken Little did? Well, I think it looks like a lot of things. For me, it looks like making the choice uh, to move my body in worship. Did you know that it's actually okay uh, to move together when we worship? And it doesn't have to be dancing if that's not your vibe. But moving your body is actually one of those Hebrew definitions of praise that I mentioned earlier. And honestly, I choose to dance and move my body because I think it makes me a little uncomfortable and it brings me into the present moment. It forces me to be right where I am. And praising while I wait looks like making the choice to laugh ridiculously with my friends. It looks like making the choice to be silly when it feels right and be serious when it feels right. It looks like me being authentic to who I am in the moment that I am in. And maybe for you in your season of waiting, getting out into it looks like making the choice to open up to someone to talk about your feelings. Or maybe it looks like just not sitting in your room every night, but making the choice to go out somewhere and do something that maybe you don't really feel like doing because it feels hard. Or maybe it looks like you being content right where you're at right, right where you're at right now and not rushing yourself out of this season that you're in. Your waiting isn't wasted. So Hope and Sean are gonna lead us through a song now called While We Wait. Um, the lyrics are on the handout that you should have gotten on your way in. And I just want you to listen and read and reflect on the words 